Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's Safety and Health webcast, Proactive Safety Programs, How to Measure and Improve Contractor Safety Programs, sponsored by Veriforce. My name is Kevin Drewley. I'm an associate editor with Safety and Health Magazine, and I will be moderating today's session. Thanks for joining us. In a few minutes, we'll start the presentation. First, I want to go over some preliminary items. The views of today's speakers and organizations are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the National Safety Council or Safety and Health Magazine. Any mention of a commercial enterprise, product, or publication does not mean the council or magazine endorses those items. At the end of today's webcast, we will conduct a question and answer session. To ask a question, simply type it in the text box in the lower left-hand corner of your screen. Click the button for Submit Question. Feel free to ask your questions any time during the presentation. You don't have to wait for the question and answer session to begin. We'll try to answer as many questions as possible, but because of the large number of participants today, we might not get to every question. Any unanswered questions will be forwarded along to today's speaker. For basic troubleshooting information, click the Help button located on your screen. At the end of the webcast, you will be asked to complete a brief evaluation survey. I will let you know more about that after the presentation. This webcast is archived, so you can access it after today's live event. View this webcast and all of our past webcasts, go to safetyandhealthmagazine.com slash event. With that, let's go ahead and get started. On the screen, you'll see a little bit more about our speakers. And today, those were joined by Gabe Rhodes and Kevin Moody. Gabe is a safety manager for Veriforce and oversees contractor safety auditor services. He has multiple safety-related certifications and is a U.S. Army veteran, serving two combat tours in Iraq and earning commendations, including the Bronze Star. Kevin is an account manager for Veriforce, working with domestic and global clients. He is active in national safety organizations as well as the Again, we thank all of you for tuning into this presentation. Gabe and Kevin, whenever you're ready, go ahead and take it away. All right, thanks, Kevin. And thank you, everyone, for joining us on the call today. Uh, you know, basically, first off, uh, for those who aren't familiar with Veriforce, I uh, wanted to take a second to briefly introduce our company. Veriforce is a provider of integrated compliance software and services that enhance workforce and community safety. We currently serve 165-plus energy and utility companies spanning the upstream, midstream, local distribution company, municipal utility, power generation, and refining sectors. Plus, we work with their, with their networks of over 8,000 contractor companies. Our unique integrated approach allows our clients to establish and manage their compliance programs more efficiently and mitigate risk more effectively, all working with a single vendor. So to go over a little bit about what we're going to talk today, for the next hour we'll be talking about building effective safety programs and how the regular review of your contractor's safety performance supports this goal. First, we'll spend a few minutes doing a level set on why solid safety programs are so important. Then we'll look at findings from the safety audits that we've done with contractors in the first half of this year. Gabe will discuss how we judge contractor safety performance, and highlight some of the shortcomings we commonly see in contractors' programs. Next, I'll preview a tool that we'll be publishing later this month that addresses steps to take to foster stronger contractor safety programs. And then finally, we'll look at how technology can support you in this effort, and then we'll take a few minutes to address your questions. All right, so jumping into it. Let's talk about safety. We can all agree that ensuring safety on the work site is a top concern for all organizations. And that's not only to avoid running afoul with OSHA regulations. We all recognize that failing to operate a safe work environment can have catastrophic results, leading to preventable injuries or even deaths. We also risk damage to the company's reputation, financial loss, and much more. To put a finer point on it, the Bureau of Labor Statistics compiles data on fatalities every year. The total recorded in 2015 was 4,836. That's over 13 fatalities per day. All right, on this chart, which was compiled by the Bureau of Labor Statistics, it reinforces that no matter what industry you're in, safety in the workplace is a priority. 
The orange bars to the left show the total number of fatal injuries recorded in 2015. The blue bars on the right represent the fatal work injury rate, the number per 100,000 full-time equivalent workers. It's easy to spot the industries with the highest rates of, of fatal work injuries, but seriously, all even one of those is too many. It's critical to promote good safety practices throughout the workforce. That calls for developing a strong safety culture among direct employees. It also depends on the organizations we contract work out to. We have to make sure that our contractors take safety just as seriously as we do. At Veriforce, we believe that one of the best ways to foster a strong safety culture among contractors is to regularly review their performance. So Gabe, you want to take us through how we do that? Sure, Kevin. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, one way we measure contractor safety performance is through what we call a desktop safety audit. These audits take place after we've already reviewed a contractor's safety policies. They can help contribute to a scoring system uh, to utilize to help with pre-qualification. Now, pre-qualification is just the start of building an effective safety compliance program. As part of Air Force safety compliance management offerings, we do audits to give clients insight to the level of implementation of their contractor safety programs. Veriforce safety professionals validate a contractor's policies by reviewing the documentation they provide on their actual practices. Basically, can a contractor provide documentation to prove that they're doing what their policies say they do? We also look at how the contractor's policies and practices compare against not only OSHA minimum requirements, but also against industry best practices. Now, we utilize a numerical scoring system, and, and the audit results contribute to the contractor's safety score. This helps our clients assess the quality of the contractor's safety programs when they're hiring for a job. They can also see where their contractors have room for improvement and judge how to target their own safety programs. For example, who do they want to target for safety, uh, safety observations, and what areas are they going to be looking for? So... These, this slide here is, uh, these are the categories that we look at during our desktop audits. So these, kind of what you're looking here is these areas were chosen for our desktop audit as they require a substantial amount of documentation. You'll notice the number of subcategories kind of reduces as the topics become more specific in nature. Let's take a look at some of our findings. So I know it's a lot of numbers here, a lot going on, but... Here's kind of the top 10 list of our 2017, first half of 2017. In the first six months of this year, our audits most often found deficiencies in these 10 areas. Now, to talk a little about what we call a deficiency, it could be everything from they don't have a program in place, they have a partial program in place, or they've got a program in place, they're just not following it. For us, any of those things we define as a deficiency. All right, so what we're looking at for number one, the area of the HSE program evaluation, close to 80% of the contractor programs we reviewed fell short. So what does that mean exactly? At a minimum, the contractor organization should be conducting an annual evaluation of its occupational health and safety program's effectiveness. This requires reviewing, measuring, and documenting all aspects of the health and safety management system. What our auditors found is that in most cases, the contractor companies are not performing reviews at an annual basis. Now, we'll go through each of these audit categories, and as we do, we'll highlight what other issues were in these top 10 areas and talk about standard practice. In other words, what our auditors are looking for as they assess these safety programs. All right, again, lots of numbers going on on this chart, but let me help focus with a little bit. Our biggest audit category in the HSE, the Health, Safety, Environment, Policies and Procedures and Program, and six of the top 10 deficient areas showed up in this section. The biggest issue in this category you can see, was actually number two overall, is in fall protection. Just a little insight, the purpose of a fall protection program is to establish guidelines to protect all employees who are engaged in work activities that may expose them to potential falls from elevations. Employees should be trained prior to any initial use of a fall protection device or equipment. Training should include both awareness level as well as a hands-on portion. 
The main problem we found is that although there are fall protection procedures in place, there's no documentation available to show that fall protection equipment is being inspected as it should be. Here's another big one, safety orientation for new employees. Contractors need to familiarize new employees with company operations and safe work procedures. Orientation should also convey company expectations and gain employee commitment. The orientation is commonly followed by job-specific training. The employer's responsibility to create a workplace free from serious recognized hazards and comply with standards, rules, and regulations issued under OSHA. Kevin, what are you seeing out there with the new employee orientation? Well, truthfully, I mean, what we see and hear about a lot is that contractor companies are using third parties to do orientation for them. Many of the contractors, however, they fail to follow through with additional training to provide company-specific information. Exactly right. So while new employees may be introduced to generic safety procedures, they're not getting content that's specific to their work environment. So over half of the desktop audits reveal weaknesses in four other subcategories here. There should be a lockout tagout program that identifies the minimum requirements for the lockout of energy isolating devices. Uh, it should be used to ensure that the machine or equipment is stopped, isolated from all potentially hazardous energy sources, and locked out before employees perform any servicing or maintenance where an unexpected startup of the machine or equipment could release the stored energy. A lot of contractor companies we find claim that, oh, we don't have a lockout tagout because we don't do it. We fall under whoever we're working for. Well, lockout tagouts required for any energy producing or energy containing equipment, for example, heavy machinery, pipeline itself, power tools, etc. We found that two-thirds of the time, contractor companies fail to produce, again, documentation that cover these examples. Moving on to the fire prevention plan, that's a must in preventing and suppressing workplace fires. The plan should cover all major fire hazards and include proper handling and storage of hazardous materials, controls, controls of the flammable and combustible waste materials, maintenance of safeguards, and employee responsibilities. All that should be laid out. The shortcomings we found in two-thirds of these audits include lapses in the regular inspections. Wait, hang on. Lapses? So companies are doing the initial inspections, but you're not seeing documents to say that ongoing inspections are being done? That's what it appears from our angle. So that something was in place, but it's not a continuation. Documentation is most often always the issue. It's possible that a contractor company is doing exactly what it needs to do, but there's no record or of any sort to kind of back it up. That's actually the case uh, with the programs for seasonal and other temporary employees, otherwise known as short service employees. Uh, this program is intended to help employers keep their new employees, whether they're experienced or inexperienced, safe and on the job. Employers should adopt the program to fit their unique needs. It's important to ensure that newly placed employees work under the direction of an experienced person or a mentor. We find there's a lot of programs in place, and they get a good start to it, but there's no documentation to verify that an employee has completed the program. In other words, they've got a great program, they start off going great, but how do you know when they're done? Did they finish? No documentation exists. Similarly, audits reveal that contractors have risk assessment procedures in place, but over half the time there's no documentation showing that a correct risk assessment has actually been performed. Standard practice is to perform a risk assessment at the overall job or project level for all the work that's going to be conducted. This is before workers are ever sent out to the job site. Sometimes a risk assessment gets confused with a daily hazard assessment, or JHA, which is performed at the job site on specific tasks being performed that day. Uh, for the most part, it seems contractors are simply confused as far as what's the difference between a risk assessment and a JHA. Now, moving on to inspections, audits, and observations. It's important that a contractor company perform their own safety inspections, audits, and observations. This category covers very specific types of inspections as well as the overall HSE program. As we noted at the beginning, HSE program evaluation was the number one area of concern overall, with most contractor companies failing to perform a review of their program at least annually. Another top area of concern in this category is with the audit and inspection program and policy. 
contractor company should provide its management supervisors and employees with written guidelines to identify and address any safety-related hazard before they cause injury or even property damage. This is a critical component to the continuous improvement of any HSE management system. Once again, although contracted companies appear to have their programs in place, most were unable to provide documentation that audits and inspections are being conducted at the rate described in their programs. All right, so the chart we're looking at now, if you go down to the bottom where we see that number 56%, this is a category of management involvement in safety programs and it covers a variety of measures to ensure that employees are hearing about safety like we always hear from the top down. Over half of the audits reveal weaknesses in the areas of communications with employees on safety incidents and their related corrective actions. Now we all know it's a bad thing when an incident occurs, but it's even worse if the same incident occurs multiple times. Now the most effective way to prevent this is to analyze all the contributing factors identify the root cause of the incident, and implement all necessary corrective actions required. Then the incidents and corrective actions should be communicated to all employees. In some cases, we've had uh, companies tell us during an audit that, oh, we've not had an incident, therefore we don't have any proof of this. Well, that's great news. However, there are incidents occurring in their respective industries, and communication of these incidents with employees will help keep their streak alive very important that they communicate it all the way down. Moving on to medical and occupational monitoring. Uh, this area looks at OSHA requirements to protect workers from specific health hazards. Again, two-thirds of programs that we reviewed were deficient in managing hearing conservation programs and conducting audiograms. Now, OSHA requires that an employer implement a hearing conservation program whenever workplace noise exceeds 85 decibels over an eight-hour period. What we find is that some companies claim that we don't require this, even though some of their work types suggest that their employees may be exposed to these levels. But they're unable to produce samples to verify that noise in their workplace falls below that requirement. Basically, what we're saying is they tell us, oh, we don't need it. Good. How do you know? Where did you measure? Did you go out and check? That's the documentation we're looking for, that kind of follow-through. Looking at incident reporting and investigations, our auditors look at what policies and program the contractor company has put in place for management of workplace incidents, how the company investigates the incidents, and whether they're maintaining a first aid law. The most concerning finding in this category was partial investigations. Most of the documentation our auditors receive stops at the initial interview phase with the employee and witness statements. So taking a look at the slide, it looks like, okay, so companies are not following through the completion of an investigation? Right. Even though they may have procedures in place to specify how far this needs to go up, they're just not doing what they should be doing. All right. So this slide here looks different than all the rest. Let's talk about it a little bit. You'll see before corrective action and after corrective action. So to touch on that a bit, during our audits, we provide both the hiring client and the contractor with a summary of our audit results. Now, in addition, the Verforce auditor works hand-in-hand -hand with the contractor to not only review any safety gaps, but also offer specific recommendations for improvement or corrective actions. Then we have a follow-up audit one year later to follow up to see if they actually implemented the corrective actions. This provides an incentive for contractors to further develop their programs. They aren't just hearing what's wrong. They learn more about what they need to do to be compliant with the customer's requirements and with OSHA's. This is based on specific job types, whether it's uh, what documentation they need to maintain, what things they need to provide, such as training, protective equipment, and so on. When we look across the contractor companies that have taken the initiative to implement corrective actions, and we compare their scores from the initial and the follow-up audit, we see a definite improvement in their overall averages. All right, so thank you, Gabe, for that. We've gone over the findings and identified you know, shortcomings. Uh, what we're gonna do now is discuss some ways to really encourage proactiveness. So 
with desktop audits of contractor safety programs are just one mechanism companies can use to assess whether contractors are in compliance with health and safety regulations and company safety policies. And as Gabe pointed out, audits can really help companies to pinpoint and really drive improvements. There are many other things that you need to think about in developing an optimal contractor safety compliance program. So we've put together a tool, the Contractor Safety Compliance Management Maturity Model, to help you evaluate where your organization's contractor prequalification and safety compliance program stands today and identify the next steps you need to take to improve it. An upcoming ebook will describe the model in detail and how you can make use of it. But today, we thought we would share the highlights of the maturity model with you. And here it is. This is the Contractor Safety Compliance Management Maturity Model at a very high level. It's a continuum with organizations that have ad hoc efforts or developing programs to manage contractor safety at the far left and organizations that are very strategic in their implementation and management of their contractor safety compliance program at the far right. Let's take a look at the key things that influence your organization's position along this continuum. There are three key drivers that influence a company's level of contractor safety compliance management maturity. One, it's culture. Two, it's use of technology. And three, it's data. With respect to a company's culture, is there a focus on contractor safety that's being driven from the top of the organization? You know, how is that filtered down you know, out to the field and out to the contractors? Resource commitment is another big factor here. In this case, we're talking about whether the company is investing in both manpower and technology to help drive improvement to contractor safety. And this last one is a really important one. What what is the program's focus? Does it end at the prequalification of contractors, or is there a desire to see continuous year-over-year -year improvement in contractor safety? Right, next is technology. It's another key driver of maturity because it's going to directly influence the data a company is able to capture about contractor safety and how easily that data can be used to make decisions. Does a company have a centralized repository, like a safety compliance management system, in place to capture, store, and analyze data related to contractor safety programs and performance? Technology is also about enabling consistency, meaning having tools to validate the consistent capture of required safety data across the company's entire contractor pool and workflows that drive this data through a consistent review and approval process. It's also about having mobile tools in the field. I'm sure we can all agree on that. Is it easy for field personnel to verify whether a contractor is approved to work? You know, taking it a step further, as a company advances its program and adds elements like contractor observation reporting, is there an efficient way to capture these findings in the field and upload them directly to the safety compliance management system for reporting and analysis. And finally, the third driver is going to be data. Has an organization gone through the process of very clearly defining KPIs or key performance indicators related to contractor safety? If so, how much do these KPIs drive day-to-day -day activities and decision-making? Right, next is historical context. This speaks to the amount of historical data that's been captured and is available to analyze to provide historical context and support trend analysis. Lastly, what types of data sources do you have available to analyze to get the most comprehensive view possible of contractor safety trends and understand where you should be investing resources to drive improvement? 
All right, so I want to give you some more insight into the characteristics of a contractor safety program at each level of maturity. The goal being to help you peg where you think your program stands today. All right, so let's start with the ad hoc level, or you know, also known as winging it, and developing program levels. At these levels of maturity, from a culture standpoint, contractor safety either isn't a big focus for the organization, or it's just emerging as an area that needs some focus. It's not uncommon that contractor safety becomes a focus reactively because something happens on a job site that gets this topic attention within the company. At this early stage, if someone owns contractor safety, it's only a small piece of their job responsibilities. The company may have begun to define some criteria for vetting contractors but there's no consistent standard used across the organization. In terms of technology usage and any data that's being captured from contractors, you know, EMR letters, safety manuals, et cetera, you know, this data is stored locally. It's, it's sitting in emails or you know, saved on their PCs or you know, maybe you've got a file cabinet over stuff somewhere or maybe being tracked in a spreadsheet. The key point being there's not one central repository where the organization stores this data, nor any way to validate that it's being consistently gathered. Now, okay, let's take a step back. Gabe, you know, when you're helping clients first implement a safety compliance management solution, you know, where do you find that most of them stand? I'd, I'd say about 70 to 75% of the time it's right here. Uh, I think you got a key word going. The biggest challenge I see that companies have at this point is consistency. Even if they put some effort into defining what types of information they want to capture from their contractors, that way they can use it to vet their safety performance. Uh, if you've got departments all over the organization uh, hiring contractors, it can really be challenging to ensure that that same information is being gathered 100% of the time from each contractor and that it's being consistently reviewed and evaluated to say that a contractor is approved to go to work. You need to have a well-defined program plus technology and a business process in place to actually support it. Yeah, your point about consistency is a great segue into a look at a basic program. Uh, because that's really one of the key things achieved at this level of maturity. From a culture standpoint, companies at the basic level have committed to focusing on contractor safety. They've made an internal resource commitment. Depending on company size, it's either a dedicated role or a significant part of someone's job responsibilities to manage, or manage the contractor safety program. And as we'll go over in a moment, they may have enlisted third-party support to help administer the program. At this basic stage, it's about establishing a solid contractor safety prequalification program that ensures, again, here's the word, consistency, that every contractor has provided the same pieces of data regarding their safety program and that this data has been evaluated against a consistent standard. So if a contractor is approved, you know, that's a reliable indicator that their safety program is up to your organization's standards. As Gabe mentioned, you've got to have the right technology and business processes in place to achieve this. Companies at this stage have a centralized repository to store all contractor data, whether it's web-based safety compliance management software or centralized files out on a shared drive and they have an established business process for reviewing the contractor data. Some companies will continue to handle this data collection and review process internally, but this is often you know, really the tipping point where the administrative burden becomes so great that they need a third-party support to ensure that contractor's data is consistently captured and vetted. From a data standpoint, the company has standardized what they want to capture from each contractor. Uh, for example, TRCR, EMR, you know, certain safety policies, and they've got at least the most recent year's data for each contractor. This allows them to establish some basic KPIs for their program and begin working towards tracking year-over-year -year trends 
to understand whether, you know, for example, the average TRCR for their total contractor pool is improving. Now, you know, Gabe, I threw a couple out there, but what are some of the key performance indicators you typically see tracked at this level? At the basic program level? Yes. I'd say uh, in addition to the average TRCR, uh, probably looking at average number of fatalities, number of vehicle incidents, and, of course, the EMR for your total contractor pool year over year is a good place to start. Uh, at the individual contractor level, these data points combined with reviewing their safety policies give you a solid read on the basic quality of the contractor safety program. <laughs> Honestly, if you're going to be keeping all of your contractor data in a centralized spreadsheet and managing the data collection and review internally, just keeping up with those data points and KPIs is going to keep you busy if you've got a decent-sized contractor pool. Okay, so we've covered the ad hoc, developing, and basic. You know, let's talk about programs now at the upper end of the maturity model. Um, Gabe, now, is there one thing that you'd say defines the more mature models? Uh, I, th I think you mentioned it earlier. I, I think it's one of the culture-related item, items Excuse me, you mentioned earlier. Basically, is the end game for your program to have a consistent contractor pre-qualification process? Are the end game helping your contractors continuously get better at their safety program? It's that focus on continuous improvement and gathering data that helps you manage to this goal that really defines those more mature programs. Okay. Well, let's take a look at the characteristics you see at the advanced level of maturity where the focus shifts to driving improvement. First, we see companies at this level investing in a dedicated resource to manage their contractor program and beginning to incorporate more field personnel support into the program, which I'll touch on more in a moment. They've also invested in third-party support to handle gathering and reviewing their contractor's data. A critical advancement we see is that they've put in place contractor observation and audit programs leveraging their field personnel and third-party auditors. There are numerous benefits from these types of programs. One, even if they're initially paper-based programs, you're laying the groundwork to capture really valuable trend data regarding areas where your contractors have program weaknesses. Two, as we discussed earlier in the webinar, you get valuable feedback on the actual day-to-day -day implementation of your contractor's safety programs and finally, three, these programs create opportunities to provide coaching or require formal corrective action that helps your contractors improve their programs. From a technology perspective, companies at this level have moved beyond spreadsheets and invested in a safety compliance management system to support the increasing complexity of their program and their data and also provide efficient access to contractor information in the field. They've put risk-based requirements in place for their contractors, meaning those who do higher risk work types or a higher volume of work have additional requirements to meet. For example, in addition to submitting stats and policies, a high-risk contractor must also undergo a field audit to assess the implementation of their safety program. You know, are they really doing what they say they're doing? So you've moved past the one-size-fits-all in terms of your pre-qualification requirements. As you add this complexity, you need software that's designed to manage grouping contractors and enforcing varying requirements for each group. Now, these companies have also added more data points to their program. For example, they require at least the past three years worth of a broader range of safety stats from their contractors and this means an expanded range of KPIs to monitor. So they need a system in place to house all of this data and make it easy to analyze and identify trends. In terms of equipping field personnel with an accurate and efficient source to know who's approved to go to work, uh, you know, a safety, compliance, a safety compliance management system is going to do two things. One, it can also track a contractor's compliance, pro, uh, compliance with other requirements like maintaining appropriate insurance coverage through a you know, certificate of insurance tracking program. So it gives a complete view of who's approved to work, and two, 
it improves communication of this information and efficiency because instead of holding up work while you try to get the one person in the company on the phone who can verify that a contractor is, in fact, good to go, the field guide you know, just does a quick check in the system, sees they're approved, and off they go. So you know, here you see a lot less downtime. And lastly, at this stage, companies have gotten into a cadence of at least an annual review of their contractor safety program to see where adjustments may be needed, you know, armed with the trend data that they are now capturing. Okay, and we're finally to the last column. So let's talk uh, strategic programs. From a cultural standpoint, there's program buy-in at all levels. There's a focus on contractor safety that's being driven from the top down and is pervasive throughout the field. It's not just viewed as the safety team's job to cultivate and improve the safety of contractor partners. And companies at this level take a partnership view of their program. Now, by this, I mean it's not about being punitive towards contractors. It's about a partnership in safety and having tools in place that help everyone create a safer workplace. Companies at this level have also put processes around common exception scenarios. For example, they have an emergency situation and need to use a local contractor who's not been through the pre-qual process yet or has a poor score in their system. They have a well-defined process for approving and documenting any exceptions in their safety compliance management system. From a technology perspective, these companies are leveraging mobile tools in the field, both to efficiently provide information about who's approved and also to streamline their contractor observation and audit programs by making them paperless. This is huge because with real-time capture of findings, as you see trends emerging, you can actually manage to them while a project is still ongoing. Now on the data front, you are firing on all cylinders. You've got your findings data from contractor safety observations and audits gathered internally, findings data from third-party audits of your contractors. You've gotten more than three years' worth of contractors' self-reported data, and at this stage, companies often have contractors reporting safety stats at, a more, gran at more granular levels. Um, for example, tracking incidents at the individual project level. This allows you to track a wide range of KPIs based on leading and lagging indicators and provides a lot of data to slice and dice to you know, identify where you may need an awareness campaign on, on a particular topic or an update to your contractor work rules or some coaching or training for contractors or you know, an investment in additional manpower. Companies at this level get really good at continuously adapting their contractor safety program and targeting their resources based on the latest trend metrics, which helps guard against complacency. Good point, Kevin, if I may. I think a key point to make here is that you don't have to be doing all of these things to have a strategic program. I can think of clients with mature programs who have pieces of this list in place, but they wouldn't be able to check off all these boxes. Keep in mind, the goal of the, of the maturity model tool is to give you a framework and ideas for making your own contractor safety program better, regardless of where it stands today. Now, you're still going to have to take a look at your unique business and decide which of these suggestions make sense for you. No, I mean, definitely great point. And, okay, now that we've made it through this slide, at this point, you know, we want to know where you think your contractor safety program stands today. So, you know, I'm going to ask you, how would you classify the maturity of your contractor safety program today? Is it A, you know, an ad hoc or developing program, B, a basic program, C, advanced program, or D, a strategic program? So, again, you know, where do you see your safety program today? A, ad hoc developing, B, basic D advanced or D strategic? And we'll give you a little bit of time here to you know, record your answers. Be really interested to see. You know, Gabe, with the people that you're talking to these days, you know, where do you see most companies fall? Is it in a particular spectrum? 
Uh, it is. They, there's some commonality there, but what's, what I find interesting is when we talk to them, it's kind of their first time self-assessing until they're asked this question. They never really look at it. They think what they've got is what they've got. Uh, most of the ones we see, and again, it's just a small sample of what's out there, is uh, they put themselves in the basic program, um, either because that's where they are or they just are companies that want to get better, so they want to improve, so they assume they're basic right now. Okay, thanks. Cool. All right, let's look at the results. <laughs> Gabe, you taking anything away from this? Uh, yeah, I think I had some voters out there on my side. <laughs> now, what we're looking at is, like I said, like I mentioned earlier, that's pretty common amongst them. Um, it could be anything from, like I mentioned, uh, they are actually basic and want to get better, or they, there may be some people here that are advanced and just, just feel that they're basic because they don't have everything in place. Pretty common. Okay, great information. Thank you. All right. Now on to technology. So keeping up with contractor compliance with OSHA and company-specific safety requirements can be a major challenge. Effective safety compliance management software can play an important role in helping you stay on topic, on top of your contractor safety performance and manage safety compliance proactively and efficiently. An effective technology solution should meet some key requirements. It should provide a central place to track and maintain contractors' current and historical safety stats and related info, including audit results as well as observation reports, questionnaires, contractor policies, and other pertinent documents. It should simplify contractor safety prequalification and ensure consistency in terms of data capture and business processes. You want to have at-a-glance views of, safe, of safety scores across contractors and easily identify similar contractors with better safety records. You know, the software needs to let you produce safety trend reports that show how contractors' safety stats compare to the overall industry and highlight potential problem areas. You also need inspectors and auditors you know, that should be able to easily capture safety observation reports. And it should give you a consolidated view of contractors' status across safety, insurance, uh, you know, even other areas like drug and alcohol requirements, so field personnel can make an efficient and accurate assessment of readiness to work. All right, well, you know, that really concludes our, our presentation for today. Um, you know, we'll get to your questions in just a minute, but... First, you know, please let us know if you'd be interested in speaking to a Verforce representative, myself, Gabe, or anyone else, about how our solutions could support your safety compliance management program. So, you know, real quick, you can either click, you know, yes, please contact me, or, you know, hurt Gabe and I's feelings by saying, be no thanks. But again, thank you for your time, and uh, now we're going to get to some of your questions. All right, excellent. Uh, great job, guys. Thanks for your insights and expertise. Uh, before we do start the Q&A, just want to remind everyone of the evaluation survey that we're asking you to complete. The survey should be appearing on your screen. Your input is important because it will help us improve future webcasts. If you do not see the evaluation survey on your screen, please turn off your pop-up blocker. You may also access the survey by clicking the survey button near the lower right part of your screen. And with that, we will get to some questions. First one. For the companies using your software today, is there an average number of contractors that are submitting data? In other words, how do I know if this would provide value for our company? Okay, uh, Gabe, I'll take that one. Sure. Um, you know, we actually get this question a lot, and you know, my response is, you know, I can give you know an average number of, hey, look, 215.6, but the issue here isn't you know the average number of contractors is you know, how many contractors are different companies using? And within our system, we've got, you know, we'll see companies that have as little as three contractor companies to, you know, companies that are have, you know, thousands of contractor companies. So it's really, you know, we've, we've got a model for really wherever your company might be and, and what, you know, what those needs might be. Okay, next one. Uh 
if I already have a safety professional responsible for our program, how do I sell to our management team? Not enough just to have dedicated employee focusing on safety. Well, um, this is Gabe. Uh, what, what I would recommend is if you've got one dedicated safety professional doing all of these things, uh, how could he better utilize his time more efficiently? If you're a safety professional, your job is to recognize hazards, implement not only uh, controls, but also the training that takes place. And if you're having one individual do that on top of other things, well, you're going to take a loss somewhere. So really it's assessing, do I want to be less safe and keep more documentation, or do I want to be more safe and have less documentation? Uh, so I guess that would really be the recommendation I'd have of, of how you could uh, make better use of their time. Well, Gabe, on, on top of that, I'll also say this. You know, one of the things that you see is if a company has just that, you know, that one person what happens when they're out for an extended period of time? You know, they're, you know, oh yeah, just, you know, go ask John. Well, what if John's not there? You know, it's it's better to have a more robust system and, and this is something that could just add on, you know, be an extra resource for you. Okay, uh, can you all talk a little more about the Veriforce auditors and how they work with contractors to improve their corrective action scores? Sure, I'll take a shot at this. So just briefly to talk about uh, the audits, how they go. Contractor sends in documentation. Our auditors take a look at it, identify gaps, and they uh, provide a summary report. Now during this process, uh, they're not just going, here's a gap, here's your problem. There's phone calls, there's email exchanges. We're really trying to get to the root of, you know, what are they doing? Uh, once we give them that summary report, they get a score. Now the corrective action phase comes into play in a sense of we give them a set deadline from receiving their score so they can take time to analyze and go, okay, these are our gaps. Now they can take an opportunity to figure out how to close them, and they do that through a corrective action plan. Now, with our process, uh, what I spoke about earlier as far as incentivizing them to do better, uh, number one, everybody should want to get better and be safer. So they take that opportunity. They give us a plan and say, this is what we plan to do to close these gaps. Our auditors work with them to approve or, you know, kind of help sculpt those plans. And if they provide approved plans, we give them some points back on their audit. Uh, what this does is not only does it give them a reason to get better beyond just they should get better, it also gives the clients that are utilizing these contractors a better overall story of, hey, not only does this contractor make this score, but they're already doing steps to try to get better. So we all know change doesn't come overnight. This is just a process that helps illustrate a contractor's involvement in their safety program. Yeah, Gabe, it also sounds like by going through this process, you're actually helping the contractors make themselves more attractive to potential employers, right? It happens often. Okay. Okay. Um, on the maturity model, I'm sorry, on the maturity model, are you saying you have to have special software in place to get to basic maturity? Well, of course. <laughs> no, uh, no, I'm not saying that at all. But what it will do is it'll make sure uh, it'll it'll make managing your program a lot easier and efficient if you do have it. Um, you can absolutely track some basic you know key performance indicators for your contractors in a spreadsheet. But think about how many emails you're generating. You know, keying in of that data. Uh, trying to figure out who has and hasn't submitted what, uh, and calls from the field about whether someone's okay to work or you know other challenges you have with that approach. The safety compliance management system, you know, it's, it's going to significantly streamline uh, the whole end-to-end prequalification process. Everything from how you communicate your requirements to contractors upfront and capture their safety data and policies to how you know on the back end you're able to very efficiently communicate to field personnel you know, who is or is not an approved contractor because they can just see this in the system and get to work. You know, the maturity model is based on best practice, and yes, a best practice to support your contractor safety program is going to have you know, the right technology in place. Hope that answers that. All right, uh, next one. Can you talk a little more about risk-based pre-qual environments and what you see people doing? 
Sure, I'll take a shot at this one. Uh, it's really about having more data points about your contractors uh, so you can identify which ones pose a greater risk in your companies. Uh, some things we're seeing is that some clients, they, they've got a list of contractors. They already know, based on the work they're doing for them, who would be considered a low risk, a moderate risk, or even a high risk. So the ability to, number one, identify those, but then have it all in one spot to where you can see and score them each uh, independently. Um, all this can be made easy uh, if you manage it through software, which will allow you to create whatever groups you want, um, enforce uh, whatever level of compliance you want to do, depending on the requirements. And for us, those audit findings we talked about earlier, they'd all live in one spot as well. All of that can help you determine uh, where, where your contractors stand in kind of one broad snapshot. Okay, thank you. Um, unfortunately, we have run out of time today. I'm sorry we didn't get to everyone's questions, but all of today's unanswered questions will be forwarded on to our speakers. Once again, I uh, hope that you take the time to fill out the evaluation survey on your screen and give us your feedback. That ends today's Safety and Health Magazine webcast. I'd like to thank Gabe Rhodes, Kevin Moody, everyone at Veriforce, and all of you who listened in. Thanks, and have a great day.